Radio. A Fusion of the Spirit. A talk by Vince Fitzwilliams at the Immaculata Mission School 2013, held at St. Thomas Beckett Parish in Lewisham, Sydney. There's another beautiful reading, um, the scripture that I'll address here at the beginning, and it's from Romans 8. Uh, Romans 8, that chapter is all on about life in the Spirit. Romans 8.26 says that the Holy Spirit comes to us in our weakness. And I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. He comes to us in our weakness. So I think we can all be encouraged by that tonight because we all share in that weakness and that frailty. I've heard that most of you here tonight are new, so... I'll just share a little story with you. Um, there was this fellow, he was an atheist, and he was walking down beside this stream. And uh, it was a beautiful day, the sun was shining, no clouds in the sky. And he just thought, isn't this beautiful? It's one of those streams where you know, you've got the pebbles and just a thin layer of water going down. Small little waterfalls, the trees were just drifting lightly in the wind and he could hear the birds chirping and he's just saying to himself this is fantastic as he walked along this dusty little track and um, isn't it great this accident of nature just the way that things have developed it's just wonderful and uh, then after a while he's walking down admiring all this and he heard some rustling in the bushes behind him and um, it must have been near Steubenville or somewhere like that because it was a big grizzly bear. must have been in the States. And this grizzly bear came out of the trees and he heard this rustling and looked over his shoulder and, oh my goodness me, he said uh, this terrible fearsome creature was coming towards him. So he, he quickened up his pace. But the more he quickened up his pace, this big grizzly came, started to run. And the very fast runners, grizzly bears, even as big as they are, and his heart was beating and it was a warm day and he started sweating and the next minute he was in a run and he looks around and the bear's very close and he trips, falls face down and then flips himself over and looks up at the bear. And the bear's like this with its claws and its jaws wide open, ready to devour him. And he says, God, help me. And just in that moment, everything was frozen. The stream stopped flowing the uh, trees were still, the birds stopped chirping, and thank God the bear was just frozen like that with his jaws open and the uh, saliva dripping from his mouth. Thank God, he said. And um, so then he, he, he sort of looked around him for a while, and uh, then all of a sudden he heard this voice. And the voice said, Do you dare to call on my name? When all these days and months and years you've denied my existence. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 okay, Lord, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, I can see you're pretty powerful. Um, I don't expect you to make me a Christian now or me to change my life, but can you please make the bear a Christian? And there was a pause for a while, and then he heard uh, this voice again say, uh, all right, my son, so it shall be. And then uh, he just noticed that he could hear the birds again and the trees were moving. And he looked up at the bear and the bear had changed his countenance. And he had uh, drawn his hands in like this. So he's going, phew. And, and he closed his jaws. 
bowed very piously and said, Thank you, Lord, for this meal I'm about to receive. The Lord calls us to change. Often we want him to change the situation. Even as we grow in the Lord, a lot of our prayer can change the circumstances. But we don't want to change. And sometimes because that seems too hard to change, too difficult, or other attractions hold us back. In 2008, the theme for World Youth Day was, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And uh, I understand that from Australia that sent various themes to the Vatican suggesting for World Youth Day. And I was told that it was Pope Benedict XVI himself who chose that theme. And he often talks on the power of the Spirit and how we need a new Pentecost. If we look at a bit of history in the church, back in 1959-1960, when we had the opening of the Second Vatican Council with Pope John XXIII, he prayed for a new Pentecost in this day, in this time, for signs and wonders once again to be in the church and through the intercession of Mary and under the throne of Peter. Words similar to that. He asked for this revival in the church. And uh, from after that, we had Pope Paul VI, who then spoke to us about a new evangelization. And in October 1974, this is just a little bit of history, he was addressing a synod of bishops, and he spoke of this effusion Effusion means a bursting out of the Spirit. It means bursting out, poured out, without holding back. And he said, the Lord has given this great rain of gifts to animate the church. Now then, six years later, in 1980, we have a new Pope. There'd been another one in between, but he didn't last long. The Lord took him to himself, John Paul I. Then we had John Paul II. And in 1980, in his first audience with one of the movements in the church, he referred to what was being called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And once again, he used the same terminology, effusion of the Holy Spirit. And recently, there's been, in this last 12 months, there's been big conference in, in Rome, in the Vatican, various theologians, and they've been looking at this terminology of baptism in the Spirit. And sometimes it's just looking at the um, biblical terminology. Some favor effusion, others favor baptism. And there's a, a new book out on it. So this is a serious matter being debated in the church. Not so much debated, but looking at just the technicalities, because within the framework of our hierarchy, this is already accepted. In um, May 2008, we now have Pope Benedict XVI, and again he's addressing a large congregation of people. And he gave his traditional Sunday greeting, it was the Feast of Pentecost, and he proclaimed, let us rediscover, brothers and sisters, the beauty of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let us be aware again of our baptism and our confirmation Sources of grace that are always present. 
I'm just telling you these things just so you know what I'm saying to you is not a Vince-ism. It's not just something that I've conjured up. This is what, from the hierarchy of the church, has been spoken to us. Now, there's a little humble friar Franciscan called a Capuchin, the various arms of uh, the Franciscan order, Father Raniero Cantalamessa. And uh, I saw him once in Melbourne. I didn't see him personally, but I saw him when he was talking to a group, pardon me, a group of people. And he was telling the story. He was very surprised. In 1980, he was invited to be a preacher to the papal household. He had been a teacher in one of the universities, and uh, John Paul II had called him forward to be the preacher. So at Lent and uh, special times of the year, he's the preacher of the papal household and still is with the current pope. He too gives some wonderful um, um, expositions on the power of the Holy Spirit and how we need to take hold of this power in our lives. He says we should never grow weary. Remember we were talking about grace this afternoon, of repeating that Christianity is a religion of grace. And often he's got the Pope and Cardinals there and he's preaching to them this message. Christianity is not what we do for God, but what God has done for us. As we know, through his crucifixion on the cross, the crucifixion of his son, Jesus Christ. He says, the foundation of Christian morality is thus gratitude, not rules of obligations. Remember I was saying this afternoon, that opening to the Spirit, if we can get a mindset of allowing God to bring about the change in our lives, we will see greater success with our spirituality rather than so much gritting our teeth and us striving. Because God wants us to be completely reliant upon Him, completely reliant upon His power. That's the relationship that we have with Him. He wants us to cooperate with that. I remember my dad when I was young, as I said, he died when I was 14. But I remember one thing particularly, apart from him teaching me uh, boxing in the hallway when I was about 13. But when I was very young, and I think a lot of you would have experienced this from your mother or father, you're taken to the beach, maybe in a swimming pool, and you're only very young, and they put their hand underneath you to float in the water. And uh, sometimes then they might say, I remember my dad said, turn over. And you're saying, but don't move your hand, Dad. Don't move your hand. You're in the deep now. You're in the deep water. And often they say, yeah, it's fine, son. It's fine. And carry you along. And then when you relax, relax, you let your hands out. And, and you're floating. And gradually, Dad or Mum removes their hand. Usually when it's, you're on your back. And that's wonderful. All of a sudden, you're floating, you're supported by the water until you realize that the hand is gone and you thresh about and you start sinking again. And a lot of that is the same in our relationship with God. He's there all the time guiding us, but he's teaching us how to move our arms and how to move our legs, how to progress through the water of life. He's always there to help us. And it's like the mum or dad who doesn't move far away. You fall into the deep, you splutter, but you yell out, Mom, Dad, help me. And that's how it is with our Heavenly Father, how it is with our Heavenly Mother. 
always there for us. Another example you might see would be, um, well, when I was a kid, um, they had steam engines. I don't know if any of you have seen steam trains, but they, they had to be propelled by the power of the steam, and so there was a fire on board. Now, you could have the train sitting at the station where the fire is, is just embers, but there's enough maybe to push a little bit of steam up above, and what they used to often have was a whistle. So they would direct a little bit of the steam sideways up the whistle, and you'd hear the tweet, tweet, whatever it was of the train coming into the station. Um, and so sometimes you could get enough steam there to get the whistle going, but not enough to drive the train until the um, workers were there, the engineers, whatever they called them, and they would stoke the fire. The fire had to be stoked. It had to be roaring to get all that current of steam running through the pistons and driving the wheels and to be able to pull about 10 or 20 carriages, whatever it was. And it's a bit like that with us. In baptism, confirmation, we receive the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about it. God has sealed us with his spirit. But sometimes it becomes just an ember within us. Yes, I believe in you, God. I believe you're there. But there's no power in our lives to change or to witness to Christ. And it's as if we need to again and again say, yes, come into my life. Fill me anew. I remember when I was first married, and it was uh, in the 1970s, I'd always believed. I remember my first Holy Communion, um, seven years old. For some reason, I believe the grace of God. I firmly believed that I was receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Was it because I was a holy little kid? No, it was the grace of God. I just believed it, and I knew that when I went to that altar rail, I was receiving the real presence of Jesus himself. Later on, I was confirmed and I was told I would be a soldier of Christ. I didn't quite understand that. And I think there needs to be a real emphasis on the power we are given and that we are given gifts. Along with the fruits of the Holy Spirit, we are given other gifts. The gifts that are spoken to at Pentecost are taken from the prophet Isaiah. But if you want to note down at any time, and you probably haven't got your books with you, but I can give you these scripture references, the main listing of the gifts in the New Testament, we might call them the fruits of the Spirit that I spoke to you about today, as scripture calls them, is taken from Galatians 5, 22 to 26. Then we have what we would call gifts of grace, as listed in Romans 12, 3 to 8. Another we would call equippers of the people of God in Ephesians 4, 8 to 14. Then we have ministries of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And we have manifestations of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10. There are many gifts that God gives us and wants us to receive to help him on the journey. This afternoon we spoke about the fruits now, our confirmation, we talk about those gifts as sanctifying gifts that give us the power to witness to Jesus. It's not that we can come and know him one-to-one. -one. The cross is just not one 
piece of wood. The cross has outstretched arms. It's a relationship with God and arms outstretched that touch the lives of others. Just as Jesus stretched his arms out in love and sacrifice for you and me, he calls us to give witness to him. We were talking around the table at dinner time and someone was saying, you know, how, how, how do you do that? How do you witness to people? How do you talk to them about Jesus? And I was saying, well, I used to find it very difficult. I used to be very shy about it. In fact, I would say nothing. I remember when I first went to work and people would go over to the, the pub on a Friday night and I'd go with them. And um, there might be a few things, a conversation that was a bit saucy, wasn't the best, and uh, even some laughing about uh, Christianity or the church. And I would just sort of cringe into the background and say nothing and hope that nobody talked to me about these things. I didn't want to be embarrassed. Or I didn't want it to be let known that I was a Catholic or a Christian. And we can be like that because we're frightened of looking silly. We're frightened of uh, just being you know, somebody who's not up with it. And yet the Lord calls us to give witness. And that's why he gives us these gifts at confirmation, wisdom, understanding, sometimes called insight, right judgment or counsel, knowledge, courage. Courage to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I don't care if people laugh at me. I don't care what they think. I believe in the Son of the living God who gives me eternal life. I'm a warrior, not a worrier. I don't worry what will happen to me. I'm a warrior for Christ. How much greater to have that in your heart than to be boasting about something else, a boasting about what you've done, which is a sinful way of life. How much greater to be, have a heart that's filled with the Spirit of God and it's there. But we need to claim it. God loves us. God reaches out to us. He searches for us. He seeks us out. We know the story of the prodigal son. But he once calls us to respond, to say, we just sung it, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes. I'm for you. Give me that strength, that boldness, that courage to say something next time. Because of myself, I couldn't answer those guys. I couldn't stand up. Some of you might have been able to bless you at that time but at 20 years of age I couldn't so I'd say Lord give me the courage I don't know what to say give me the wisdom because I have been blessed through your spirit through my confirmation with those gifts I've been given that it's here but I need to let the breath of the spirit blow on the embers that are within my heart and so it becomes a fire a fire of divine love and so I'm sharing my story with others. I'm sharing them out of love because I want them to know, pardon me, to know you too. And I've known over the years now just by saying simple little things here and there that it's brought people to Jesus. What a great journey when he allows you to share in his life and you can be a witness for him. It's the coolest of parties, I tell you. I used to like to go to a party where it was always happening and I'd come home and I'd think this, that was an empty night. I'd come home and really feel, although the next day meeting with my buddies, we'd talk about the great night and oh yeah, we did this and that and the other, 
But deep down, I was empty inside. The greatest party is working for Jesus and seeing him work in your life and seeing the power of his Holy Spirit work through you. Pope Benedict VI says, Being sealed with the Spirit means not being afraid to stand up for Jesus Christ. That's the Pope, not me. We've talked about grace today and transformation, sanctification. And um, we haven't mentioned the renewing of our minds. There's another scripture that says that the Lord wants to renew our minds. It starts with the renewing of our minds. And we can't really have this ongoing relationship if we don't allow the Lord to renew our minds where so much starts, so much gets mixed up. It's in our brain we're attracted to things we read, things we see. So we need to pray for that renewal of mind, a mind, Lord, that is centered on you. And with this new evangelization that has been growing in the church since uh, Pope Paul VI uh, produced his document called Evangelii Nuntiandi in the Latin terminology, the new evangelization. Since this has been introduced, it's also caught on that we need to be reading the Word of God daily. We need to have the Bible. Bible really means book. You can see that one's pretty well worn. And that book contains sacred scriptures, the Word of God. I heard a story the other day that Mother Teresa, when she was alive, she, um, she asked if she could get a job on the, on, um, I don't know which airline it was, but one of the airlines, so she could work away around the world when she had to go to places. But by this time, Mother Teresa was known so well, I forget what airline it was, but they said she could travel for free. And there was a hostess who, who was a Catholic and uh, saw her on the plane one time and noticed she was reading her Bible. And she was just watching her, and as she closed the book, she took it tenderly in her hands, and she kissed the Word of God. This is how precious this Word was to her. This is the living Word of God. So the terminology used in the church is Lectio, Lectio Divina, which can be, sound a complicated Latin term, which really means holy reading. So I encourage you, after this weekend, if you haven't got a Bible, get a Bible. And the other pillar that I personally take with that is the Bible, and I have the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And there's things you can look up, and you can uh, read about some of the things we've discussed. You can check everything out with what the Catholic Church teaches. Not necessarily what somebody else says, but what the Church teaches. So I take the habit of reading scripture every day, every day, and it's not always easy. Once you make your mind up, some weeks go and it's beautiful, spend that hour in the morning or get up very early. Sometimes it flows, other times your mood changes, and it's a struggle. So I make a point, I love to hear the morning news. So before I put the news on, I make a point, my wife and I, no matter how we feel, uh, to read the gospel, because that's the word of God. And there's plenty of little books you can get that show you what the church is reading uh, is for the day. So I just share that with you because I think that is important that as we open ourselves to the Spirit, 
um, we have to work with the Spirit. If we're not reading the Word of God, how can the Spirit really work with us? There's a story of a fellow who was um, on an aeroplane. He was told to wear his parachute, that that would be a, a great saving grace for him. And uh, so he went to a little training school and uh, he put on his parachute and he jumped out of an aeroplane and he loved the experience and he thought, this is fantastic. Boy, I love these parachutes. I'm going to always wear this. So on this particular um, trip on this plane, he was told to wear a parachute. He said, wear the parachute. We're not too happy with you know, the mechanism of this plane. But they didn't tell anybody else. He was specially favored. So he had the parachute on in the plane. And, um, but after a while, people were looking at him and laughing and saying, look at that guy, he's got a parachute on. And it was very uncomfortable. It was sticking into the back of the seat. And uh, he said, oh, this is too much. He said, there's nothing wrong with this plane. It's very comfortable. He couldn't, uh, the hostess tried to get him some, give him some food to eat on the plane, and he spilt it all because of this parachute. And he heard people saying, oh, you're an idiot. Fancy, fancy trusting in a parachute when we've got this beautiful aeroplane we're traveling on. So in the end, he threw it off and threw away the parachute. And uh, after that, there was the, unbeknown to the pilot, there was some terrible weather ahead. The turbulence was really bad. And uh, the plane was struck by lightning. It crashed and everybody was killed. Not a true story, but it's a good story. <laughs> but then there was the other guy. Now, he was given his parachute, and he had the um, experience. He went to the same training school, but he had a different instructor. He said, that was so fantastic, parachuting out of the plane. And the guy said, yes, that's a great experience. But he says, you'll need to keep fit. He says, you'll need to keep that harness tight. He said, you'll need to practice constantly and get plenty of hours under your belt. He said, you'll need to be uncomfortable when you'd rather be comfortable. And of course, he took a ride on a similar journey. And uh, he was laughed at. He was ridiculed. But he thought, thank God I've got this parachute on. I'm safe. I'm saved. It's a little bit hard. It's a little bit uncomfortable. People are laughing at me, but I've got this parachute and I'm safe. And of course, it was a similar accident, but of course, he bailed out. He had the parachute and he lived. And that's what it is with Jesus. We take on Jesus, we take on his spirit, and we can have a wonderful joy. And I know, because I've been to many nights like this, that the Lord will pour out abundant blessing on every one of us tonight. It doesn't matter if we feel anything or we don't feel a thing. The Holy Spirit will manifest himself where he will at certain times in different ways. And there are the charisms, which are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And again, wisdom is one of them. Knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment of spirits, various types of tongues, interpretation of tongues, all there listed in the letter to the Corinthians. Now, we would need another school to talk about those gifts. 
but they are called manifestations of the Spirit in the respect that they are there for the building up of the body of Christ. The fruits of the Spirit are God working in us to bring us into holiness. The fruits of the Spirit we spoke about this afternoon. The, the gifts we talk about at confirmation, we could say, are sanctifying gifts, the power given to witness. Whereas the charismatic gifts are special gifts given not so much for us personally, although the gift of tongues could be taken as that, but for us to build up the body of Christ. When people see the Holy Spirit acting in a powerful way, they know that God is present in his church, that God is real. I was at a meeting some years ago, and there were some dear little sisters like the ones at the back, some Maltese nuns. And um, we had one of these gatherings where we prayed for people at the end. And it was a night I didn't feel very spiritual. I didn't feel I wanted to pray with anybody. I said, God, no, I'm not good enough. You know how you go through these moods? No, you wouldn't go through those moods. And uh, so people that had groups along the front praying for people, and I decided I wasn't going to pray with anybody. And I remember it was that side of the church, although in a different place in Wollongong. So I sat in a place that was a bit dark, and I sort of sulked with God because a whole lot of things had gone wrong that week. I forget what they were. But I said, well, I'm not going to pray with anybody. I don't feel like it. And so people were being prayed, prayed with along the front. And this little Maltese nun, she was ahead of the order in the place where I was living, so as not to give away too much about her. And she came alongside me. And she said, oh, Vince, I've got this frozen shoulder, I think it was, and she couldn't move her arm. And so she was sitting on my right, and she asked me to pray for her. And I said, God, thank you very much. It's the last thing I want to do now. So it wasn't a great prayer of faith. It wasn't even a great prayer of, although I believe in the healing power of God, I, I, and I prayed. So I didn't know what to pray, but deep down, Holy Spirit, help. When you don't know what to pray, just say help. He'll come. And uh, I said something like, in the name of Jesus, please heal Sister So-and-So's arm. And she said, thank you very much. And then we went home once Mass had finished. Well, this was at the tail end of Mass, that's right. So we went home, and we got a phone call when I went home, and there was this very conservative a little nun squealing with delight on the phone and telling me, Vince, I'm healed, I'm healed. And, um, and I said, I can't see. She said, can you see something like that? And she was waving her arm as she was talking to me on the telephone. So it shows you what God does. It doesn't depend on us. It wasn't a ne necessarily a great holy man, but it was the power of God. And he was showing me that he gives us gifts and he moves in particular ways. So all I ask of you tonight is to be open to the Holy Spirit. Um, there was that, I was just trying to look for the, the um, from the Catholic Catechism where I mentioned today that, and it doesn't matter, I'll find it later if you're looking, if you want to know where he talks about, um, church talks to us about the Holy Spirit being in the sacraments but not confined to the sacraments. We know the special graces of the sacraments, but the Lord blesses us in other ways at the same time. So I just want you to be open tonight, no matter how you feel, recognizing that the, the Spirit comes to us in our weakness. It's in our frailty. 
It's not in our strength. Paul talks about that, doesn't he? It's when I am weak, I am strong, he says. It was when he was working for the Lord and thinking he was doing wonderful things for the Lord because he was obeying all the laws and he was persecuting the, the Christians and he was wanting to drag them back from Damascus back to Jerusalem to be tried for following the way that he was struck down and he was made blind. And he said, who are you? Paul, why do you persecute me? The voice said, who are you? I am Jesus. He had a revelation of Jesus Christ. And then when he went into Damascus, another man had a revelation, Ananias. He was led to pray over Paul. And it said the scales fell from his eyes. And he was a new person. He was a new person in the power of the Spirit of God. So the Lord would take us in our weakness. If he can take the great Saint Paul and turn him from one who really witnessed and sanctioned murder. Because when Stephen was murdered, it said they lay their gowns down in front of Paul, the Pharisee. So Paul was saying, that's okay. And what a conversion. He became the apostle to the Gentiles, which is us. He became the one who's, who was the instigator of spreading the gospel through the, through the world. So come with confidence tonight. Um, just come to be open to whatever the Spirit wants to give you. That was Vince Fitzwilliams with A Fusion of the Spirit. For more talks from the Immaculata Mission School 2013, visit cradio.org.au.